It is 1900. You are alone. The only noise you can hear as you pick your way slowly towards the gate is that of the wind, biting at every bit of exposed skin, causing you to pull the collar of your coat up to protect yourself. It's now just over a week since the captain of the Arctor first suggested that something might be wrong in Aelin Mar. They had passed by on their way to Leith and had seen no light. You are the first soul to set foot in the island since the relief ship, the Hesperus, was delayed due to the damned winter weather. There was no one there to greet the ship as you hoved into view, but all the crates that the lighthouse keepers left out for resupply were there, sitting on the little jetty where you moored your boat. There is no flag flying in the howling wind. The captain of the Hesperus has tried to signal the shore with a whistle and a flare which lit up the slate grey sky as it twirled through the air high above the ruins of the chapel of St. Flannan. As the relief lighthouse keeper, it is your task to go ashore and find out what has happened. The gate which leads up to the light at the highest point of the tiny island is closed, as is the main door to the little lighthouse. It creaks with the assurance of weight as you push it open. You call out into the darkness. There is no answer. The beds are unmade. There is a set of oilskins hanging on a peg by the door. You know there should be three. You know that means someone went out into the storm without them on. Without a coat. Without protection. You are no longer alone. Two sailors from the Hesperus are helping you search the house and the island itself. The oil and the lamps which illuminated the night sky have been refilled. The filters cleaned for another night's signals. The only thing missing is the three men who tended it. James Ducat, Thomas Marshall and Donald MacArthur were nowhere to be found. They would never be found. The captain of the Hesperus telegrams the Northern Lighthouse Board on his return to port. A dreadful accident has happened at Flannan's stop. The three keepers, Ducat, Marshall and the occasional have disappeared from the island stop. On our arrival there this afternoon no sign of life was made to be seen on the island stop. Fired a rocket but as no response was made managed to land Moore who went up to the station but found no keepers there stop. The clocks were stopped and other signs indicated that the accident must have happened about a week ago. Stop. Poor fellows, they must be blown over the cliffs or drowned trying to secure a crane or something like that. Stop. Night coming on, we could not wait to make something as to their fate. Stop. You spend the next days I on Aelin Moor, desperately searching for any clue about what happened to the three keepers. You find nothing except storm damage in the west landing, where it seems that winds had managed to move giant boulders and rip the iron fencing from the concrete which held it. A man from the Northern Lighthouse Board comes and conducts an investigation, a very thorough one, you're quite sure, and concludes that the wind was blowing in the wrong direction to have blown your colleagues away, and that the crane you believed they had been trying to secure was untouched, and that they had been washed away into the sea by some horrifying rolling wave which had come up above them and taken them down. The whole thing unsettles your nerves, but you're obliged to stay at Flannan Isle Lighthouse, as they say they need someone who knows the light to tend it until permanent arrangements can be made. Eventually you leave, 
And every time you tell anyone about the lighthouse, about Decat and Marshall and MacArthur, they ask you about the madness that overcame them, the sea serpents or the spies who spirited them away in the night. You say they were washed away. They say, ah, but what about the uneaten meals on the table? You say the same thing every time. There were no meals left out. All the cutlery and crockery had been put away neatly. You've been listening to Scotland. It was written and produced by me, Michael Park, and is a production of Be Quiet Media. Additional voices in this episode were by Chris Moriarty. Music for every episode of Scotland is by the human substitution cipher Mitch Bain. You can check out more of his work by heading over to Facebook and searching for Mitch Bain Music. Scotland is supported by Chris Lingwood and listeners like you on Patreon. Get involved and chuck us a couple of bucks if you haven't already. It's patreon.com forward slash Scotland History Podcast. You can find out more about the show on our website, thisisscotland.co, and on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram by searching Scotland Scottish History Podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of We Scotland. Look after each other. We'll see you next time.